Hello and welcome to the IBCD Karen Discipleship Podcast. We are on site at Mission Hills Church for our 2017 Summer Institute, and we have time to speak with the speakers that we've invited. It's great to get to spend some time getting to know them a little better, hearing from them. And today we have with us Caroline and her husband, Jim. So they're they're both here. And so we're interviewing Caroline and Jim's co-hosting, but whatever that means. So <laughs> we're excited to have you both back in California. And so Caroline, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Caroline, can you tell us, I mean, I'm just thinking last year at this time, your house was being packed up. I mean, it was just... That's right. Insane. And Jim, you're welcome to join in too. But as I'm sitting here with my both house of you, was also being packed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. mostly my stuff, actually. <laughs> and uh, you're about to drive across the country and boy, start uh, a new chapter of life. What's it like being back here in June? And uh, how's that been going? We are excited to make connections with old friends, especially here at the conference, because there are people coming in from out of town that would not normally see except this time of year. Um, we're also excited to enjoy the food we like here in this area <laughs> and to worship at Grace Bible Church. Of course, uh, that's precious to us. You've been back several times, though. You've had a, a busy schedule keeping you back on the West Coast. So is this... Yeah. Time number four? Correct. Okay. That's right. But it's it's added a great reunion component for the Summer Institute. It's always been that way, but now to have, boy, both coasts represented, it's, yeah. it's been fun. Yeah. How has it been shifting into life as a seminary student? I don't know if all of our listeners know uh, that you are now enrolled at RTS. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm getting the Master's of Arts in Christian Counseling, which is a program designed to train men and women to do counseling. The advantage I have is that I'm learning about systematic theology as well, apologetics, and I'm studying books of the Bible with the MDiv students. Wow. So the transition's been hard in that way, learning how to study and write 15-page papers and study for exams, but I'm learning a lot, and I like being in the program to know the students and to see their heart and to have an influence on future students, especially the female students. Uh, I want to encourage them to go out into their churches and their ministry, and they're getting equipped through RTS. About how many female students are in your classes? Is it? Uh, a lot of the counseling classes are, what, uh, two-thirds women? A lot of women in the counseling program, women in the other programs as well at RTS, so... I don't know if they're a fourth of the student body or something, but they would be half of those who are getting the MAC. But we also have a degree where you can get an MDiv plus the MAC, which is men, or the MDiv with kind of a counseling emphasis. So those who are emphasizing counseling were probably half and half men and women. I heard there's a new counseling prof out there. Are you taking any of his classes? I have taken one class, and I'm a TA for him also in a different class. Oh, wow. Teacher's assistant. So How's that going? <laughs> that went well. I felt like I should raise my hand whenever he asked a question because I knew all the answers. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, that'd be wild. Boy, that's probably a new phase in marriage, like a uh, professor, student, and uh, that's somewhat uncommon too, isn't it, to have a professor's wife? As, as yes, a, a lot of the professor wives will audit, mm -hmm. but I'm taking it for credit, which uh, lends another element too to my uh, role. So, Do you feel much pressure as a professor's wife? 
Yes, <laughs> I do. That's why I get so nervous uh, for exams. <laughs> yeah. So have you been yeah. counseling yourself through all the fear and anxiety exactly. things? Exactly. Been... <laughs> and thankfully, I have um, developed a good friendship with someone who also is a wise counselor, uh, another woman student. So That's great. It helps. What do you miss most about your, the role you had as a pastor's wife? I, I know it's over 25 years of, of church history there at GBC, so there's a lot to that too. But um, in, in the church setting that you were in and now being in a different setting and, and focusing a lot on studying, I know I've talked to Jim and it, you have to spend a lot of time writing, preparing, yeah. reading. So yeah. uh, how has that been hard? It's been hard because it's kind of an artificial environment. I don't have interaction with people all across the board. I used to teach Sunday school and so interested in children and young adults. And then, so I'm missing the um, multi-generational aspect of ministry, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's going to change. Lord willing, Lord will use us in church. Yeah. It's exciting. That takes time to to reestablish that and uh, probably um, helps you relate with other believers, you know, who have moved across the country and stuff and trying to find a church and all that, that can be yes. quite an experience. I found, Caroline, being a student has been really helpful to me in a couple of different ways. One is that one of my challenges has been to make connection with students. And some, as I've come in as the new guy and different people have different ideas about counseling, she's establishing connection with many students and people figure if Caroline's okay, maybe Jim is okay too. And then another thing that's been really helpful is that I'm jumping into a seminary I did not attend. And so I don't know when I'm teaching my counseling classes or my preaching classes what they've had in terms of what have they learned in terms of their systematic theology or exegetically in their different classes. And so having Caroline with each of the other professors and learning how they teach and learning what she's getting helps me to shape my teaching to fit in with the entire curriculum. Jim really knows what I'm getting because he's helping me study for exams. (laughs) (laughs) He's my quiz master. That's great. So he helps me with every single question on the exam. Not during the exam. (laughs) Help me to study for the exam. We go on long walks where she hands me stacks of pages to question her. Another funny thing in our relationship, I mean, there have been good things in the sense that you go from a place where you knew everybody and your life was filled with relationship to a place where you're new. And so it can draw you closer together as husband and wife. And we've done a lot of walking together, talking. Caroline will share what she's learning in class, which sometimes one day's worth of class can take an hour for her to debrief with me. And then, you know, talking about her exams, talking about the program. So it's been good that we've been each other's best friends during this. And it's also been, she's been a great help in terms of helping me to fulfill my role. She's also been hospitable. We've had, especially after the first semester, we really decided the more people we could have in the home, the better that would be for relationships and really caring for people. And we've been building stronger relationships with students by having many people in the home. We also have had all of the, we have a lot of visiting counseling professors come through Mm -hmm. and normally they would stay in hotels, but the Lord has given us a lovely home not far from campus. So we're having the privilege of building those relationships along with um, saving the seminary a great deal of money by hosting them in our home 
And we've also hosted quite a few students past, you know, some live far away and they stay overnight now and then or come in for an intensive class. So she's been very busy with that, which makes her outstanding academic performance all the more remarkable with the number of meals she's served and the number of people who have stayed in her home. Yeah. It's making me hungry just thinking about it, actually. But, uh, but wow, that's that's great to hear about uh, that transition and how that's going. Probably interesting. I, I'd imagine Caroline gave you feedback when you were in a preaching role and I and probably depended heavily upon the input she would give of how things are coming across to the congregation. Now to see that translating into a teaching role and building on that as well. That's right. You've got your ear to the ground in terms of the students. Yes, but also as sitting out there and listening as a student, and I can give in pointers. There's a whole culture of the students mm -hmm. that I would have had a very hard time even beginning to understand that she's now in the middle of. Mm -hmm. I think it makes them appreciate her a lot more. I think that helps them to appreciate me some more, but then they're sharing with each other in a way they would never share with the professors. Right. And so... Mm -hmm. It's not like they're deep, dark secrets, but just even how they work together and how they perceive their classes and their work and their reading and papers and everything else. So, and I, as I teach, I bring in, in terms of I understand what you're going through because Caroline's going through this and I'm eating leftovers again or fast food or <laughs> uh, I want to play and watch TV and she's writing a paper and she can't play. and. Yeah. So I, I have a better grasp of what their lives are like. Caroline, one of the things that we've been hearing uh, in this conference and in biblical counseling as a whole, I mean, um, part of the whole desire is that the whole church is working together to care for one another. And half of the church typically is made up of females mm -hmm. and um, they have a very important role to play in the church. And yet often it's not as official of a role because of how the Bible sets things up. And so that's one of the questions that comes out or is that I think of is, is how do you get females involved in caring for one another? Um, what are opportunities they have to serve? And, and what would you say, I guess, to me, it's boiling it down more to this. What would you say to the women in churches who are at various stages of life looking to care for other women and uh, how can they get involved in growing in that? That's a great question. And I think uh, IBCD is promoting women's issues. Our conference this year is about addictions and we had the pre-conference about domestic abuse. And there's an example where women need to be coming alongside. How do you get them to do that? A lot of it's because women are talking to one another um, and in my workshop on living with an angry husband, I encourage the ladies to come alongside and ask questions if they see bruising, for example. And just in a loving way, could you help me understand what's happening in your life? Because I care about you. So that's happening on the one-on-one -on -one level in a church. And then those women are the ones who might be the, one, the people to encourage the ladies, the wives, to go to the leadership with the domestic abuse or domestic violence issue. And um, I'm encouraged by reading 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, which says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So as preachers are preaching from the pulpit that we should do the one another care, it should be happening individually in the church, but those ladies will need training. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, that's why they're at this conference. Mainly they've attracted to the topic or they know somebody 
or um, they're already involved in counseling and they, these issues are coming into the office. So the pastor could encourage from the pulpit by preaching one another care. And then organizations like IBCD, which bring counseling into the church, is what we need to encourage women to take advantage of. Not everybody has to get a master's of arts in Christian counseling, but they can do one another care and um, they're called to. Older women are called to help younger women to love their husbands, for example. And um, this is what the goal is, I know, of IBCD. And this is what we need to be reminded of. And I wish that the pastors hearing this podcast will take that into account and it could be that the culture of the church can be changed by that teaching as it comes up in scripture to just bring it out that even um, cross-generational, I'm not talking about even your pals, but looking out for the young women in the church, um, keeping an eye on uh, building relationships with people outside of your category of age and um, experience. As I'm sitting there sitting here thinking about that part of what I'm thinking too is yeah, promoting that through what we say. And then also uh, the church budget plays a key role in that. And so if, if that's viewed as important, setting aside, setting aside money to help um, women who may not have a lot of money at the moment, because they have lots of needs and things to be able to come to the conferences like this so they can be equipped um, and to make that an intentional choice to see that the, the training options for women um, there are some are less available, but the ones that are available, boy, can we get them there and they'll really benefit from it. That's true. And I've spoken to several people at this conference. It's their first time and yeah. they're saying, this is amazing. Just the resources that are, I can use. Yeah. In your experience, is it that women often are already talking about these things, mm -hmm. but more wondering what to be saying about them? Where it seems to me men are a lot of times less talking about these things, so not even wondering what to even say about them. Is, do you see that holding true, at least in your experience? Yeah. In, let's take the issue of living with an angry husband. My workshop, it's wives who are coming and saying, I need help. Often it's, though, it's because their children they f are feeling threatened. Maybe a husband has pushed a son up against the wall, pinned him against the wall, and she's going... We need help. She may be willing to endure what she's going through, but when it touches her kids, she's out there and she's saying, I need somebody to come alongside. And a lady like that will, might be hesitant to go to her pastor, mm -hmm. especially if her husband's part of the leadership. Right. But if a wise woman is in the church, someone not, not even trained to the ultimate, in the ultimate sense, but someone who's a friend who's already involved in her life or she knows that she can go to and this lady is going to keep a confidence, this lady will give her wise counsel, biblical counsel, then, uh, yeah, that lady also should be prepared to come in and sit with this woman. And mm -hmm. even in marriage counseling, to have a female sitting there listening to the counseling, um, I think is a great benefit. You're going to get a two for one that way. Yeah. One blessing for Caroline and Charlotte has been that as people have learned about the program there, we're getting many requests from women and children for counsel. And Caroline is getting opportunity to do some counseling, which keeps you fresh mm -hmm. and engaged in ministry. Also, 
we've had students able to observe her in the counseling. And we have a few other ACBC certified people there as well who are giving students those opportunities. So we're in the beginning stages of having some kind of counseling ministry that would help equip the students like we had here for many years. And I'm really thankful. And, and the seminary really values having an experienced, I will not say older, but an experienced <laughs> godly woman who can be a model for the counseling. She's also helping me when we do role plays where she sits in with the women and uh, helps them learn how to counsel from her experience. So she's not just a student. She's also beginning to do some teaching as well. I actually had her come into one of my classes and talk about counseling children. And she did a great job with that. One of the things in you mentioning that is the counseling observation and women getting to see this done. I know at IBCD, we had the opportunity to do that in a, in a structured way. And a lot of the reason we did the counseling we were doing was so people could observe and be trained. I'm finding now uh, without that as a part of what we're doing in Escondido, it's trickier to set that up in a church context. Have there mm -hmm. been ways in a church context you've been able to bring ladies along in seeing how that's done? I haven't had much experience counseling in the church I'm presently attending, mm -hmm. but I, I'm sure there are churches which have that in place, mm -hmm. larger churches which um, are wanting to train by observation. Yeah. I mean, a doctor comes in to an internship, mm -hmm. and he may take plenty of classes and know the facts, but to see it in action and all the dynamics of live observation uh, lends right. a whole new element. So especially for pastors to be thinking through what are ways we can get our women equipped through conferences, through online training, through actually going and getting master's degrees so they can train other ladies. And then also what are ways we can structure even the care that's taking place mm -hmm. so it's not just one-on-one, -on -one, but mm -hmm. we're bringing others along in the process. Yeah, and I really think what you were saying, Craig, is what churches can be doing where you have pastors and the women who are experienced thinking in terms not just of fighting the fires when they come, but training other firefighters. Mm -hmm. And just when a case comes along, think who would benefit from sitting in with me and helping me with this? In many cases, it could be it's you counsel the first couple sessions and you can hand off and supervise, or at least someone's getting that experience. I think if you create those thoughts in the minds of the people who are doing the counseling in the local church. And then you also start explaining to the congregation, this is how we want to equip people. Ephesians 4 says we're supposed to equip people for the work of ministry. Part of the equipping is they participate. And so you explain to people, this is one more person who will pray for you. This is one more person who will be available to help you, probably more available than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, there are cases where sometimes a pastor has ability in counseling, and he doesn't have a woman who's all trained up yet. And in that case, I wouldn't want to counsel the woman alone, but to say, I'm going to have another lady here, she's going to be, some call it your advocate in the situation, and she's going to be involved in this, and I'm going to be helping her, overseeing her to the extent she needs that. We'll just bring that into the culture of how the church is run and how people who are doing the counseling are thinking. And then you explain. And I mean, that's one reason people often came to IBCD is they want to be counseled with their big problems around people who don't know them. But that's more of a secular therapeutic approach. The Bible, would you know, the ideal place to be cared for is by people who know you well and love you in the local church. And that's not just the ordained officers of the church. 
that would include other trusted godly people as well. And so we need to help overcome those barriers in people's minds. You know, conversations like this are a lot of where the care and discipleship certificates came out of. And because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking pastorally, the fire comes up or the situation rises. You're thinking, deal with the fire, put it out, care for this person. You know, they're deeply hurting. And to have the mental energy then to start going through a list, oh, who could help? You realize how much you need to have those conversations beforehand. And that's one of the things with the certificates is if if a lady goes through level one, there's the interview process where she comes and meets with a church leader and you're building this list. So you have this list of names already of women saying, I'm interested in this and I'd be willing to to learn as I walk alongside other ladies. Exactly. And I'm telling you that some of the counseling happens within that lady's home. I am going into a house where she has toddlers taking their naps and I'm able to do that where the pastor is not Mm -hmm, available. And I think one of the biggest challenges we face is getting pastors, senior pastors thinking this way and willing to involve others or even willing to get help. I, I had a case where pastor had severe problems with a lady in the church, wanted advice how to handle this. Kind of what he wanted was to hand her off to Caroline or somebody else. And what I offered would be, I'll lend you Caroline potentially if you get another woman in there also to help this woman. And so you can learn how to help a woman who has this particular problem that he was overwhelmed by, have another woman who's also being helped. But I don't want you just to send your woman to us to fix her for you. I never heard back from that guy. I hope the woman got some help. So it's a shift in thinking uh, for leadership and then also just for churches of, of this. We're all involved in this and it's not just one expert who, you know, we go to for an hour or something. Mm-hmm. So so um, as I'm thinking about this, I just think for the ladies out there who have an interest and a desire, go to your leadership and let them know you're interested just to start that conversation. You don't need to get through level one to start that conversation or something, but just let them know so they can hear that you'd be willing to be involved. Do you have any other thoughts for ladies who are listening to this thinking, wow, I really think the Lord may want to use me in others' lives in some way. What should I think about? The uh, equipping in knowing your scripture is going to be the best thing because we can't teach what we don't already know and what we haven't really experienced. And so much of counseling is taking your own life experience and putting it in someone else's life. So just solid knowledge of scripture Mm -hmm. is the place to start. Yeah. You can be digging into that regardless, listening to those sermons, studying those passages, and uh, that's going to really help. And then the biblical counseling methodology can help steer and guide some of those things you've already been working on. Jim and Caroline, I'd love to just keep talking, and uh, but there's a conference going on, and, uh, <laughs> and we have people to see, places to go. So thanks so much for taking time uh, to be with us, and it's just great to continue to have you involved with IBCD, and we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. And Caroline, we can now better pray for you as you pursue your <laughs> next you. <laughs> uh, semester of study. So thanks for being with us. Thank you. And finally, for our listeners, I just wanted to mention that by the time these episodes are airing, all of the audios from the conference will be available for free on our website, the pre-conference, workshops, everything, and videos from the general sessions as well, all available at ibcd.org. That's ibcd.org.